Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to a world where anything's possible and where an addict has the freedom to discover that he or she no longer has to be tied to their addictions. Why are you here? What are you looking for? There are plenty of things harder than quitting smoking, quitting drinking, or quitting drugs. Are you ready to be reborn? Are you ready to be analyzed? Welcome to another edition of Addicted Analysis with your host, Mr. IMAX. Let's get ready to analyze. Welcome to another edition of my little show here, Addiction Ain't for Sissies, Smoking Ain't for Sissies. Still haven't decided on the name, but we're working on it. On the Talk Shoe Network, I'd like to start out this evening by asking anyone listening or downloading, take a moment of your free time later, maybe take a uh, moment of silence, and send out some positive thoughts to our friend Paul, whose mom had undergone a procedure earlier in the week. Um, basically, just send out some positive energy out to him. Secondly, as you listen tonight to the story of our guest, think about what it is that you want to get out of this challenge that you face. Are you looking to free yourself from cigarettes and the slip fairies? How about the demons from the bottle? Maybe the thing you're looking to free yourself from is the change to find you your drug of choice. Whatever it is that you're looking for, I hope that you find it in the message that we share here. And if not here, I hope that you don't ever stop looking. Thirdly, I'd like to say that there is hope for those out there wondering if it's possible to leave these challenges behind and move forward into the world that is bright and beautiful and free from the demons that try to control you on a daily basis. How do I know? I'm living proof that the demons can be locked away and life can be enjoyed without any of the mind-altering substances that we use to escape our thoughts and actions, and there are many others out there like myself who have escaped. So without any further ramblings of this midnight madman, Let me introduce to you this evening's special guest, a longtime member of the Quitnet. He had 40 years plus uh, history of smoking. He's been successfully quit since November of 2001, and someone who has helped, who has put others before himself when it comes to helping people achieve their hopes and dreams when it comes to this challenge. Many of you know him as the Upper on the queue, but we'll call him Randy this evening. Hey, Randy. How's How you going? doing, Joe? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for joining me tonight. Oh, it was a great uh, pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity uh, that you afforded me to uh, to come on and, and talk a little bit about the program. Oh, I'm glad that uh, you decided to come along. 
So basically, Randy, you stated in your profile on the queue that you have a history of 40 years of smoking. I wanted to go back prior to that uh, and basically talk a little bit about that time. Did your parents and relatives smoke? Well, my parents never did smoke. Uh, well, I guess my dad smoked a cigar uh, every now and then on a special occasion, but that wasn't very often. Uh, as for uh, any other relatives uh, that, that smoked, uh, I think my dad's mother smoked uh, up until the time she died at about age 75. She died of cancer, uh, lung cancer and emphysema. My grandfather smoked periodically, smoked cigars. And I believe pretty much all of my aunts and uncles on both sides of my family smoked for years and years and years, as far as back as I can remember. Uh, but luckily, my parents uh, really did not smoke. So family get-togethers and everything, it was pretty much everybody's cigar smoking, and your other relatives were smoking cigarettes. Yeah, for the, the very immediate family, uh, Dad my grandpa used to have a cigar every now and then and, and enjoy that there. Uh, but when the, the big families got together, it seemed like a, a big uh, smoking powwow. It was uh, more of a cloud even on a sunny day. I remember those days. Uh, how much of an influence then would you say your decision to begin your smoking journey would be, um, let's say, would you consider it something that you learned from your family or would you consider something inherited or would you say it was, say, peer pressure? Well, I, I really believe that some of the addictions that we have, Joe, especially smoking, along with even the alcohol, is really kind of an inherited addiction. Uh, addiction. It just we have to kind of develop it. I don't really think my relatives in general really had any bearing on my on my decision to quit or to start smoking. Believe it or not, I think it was more of some of my childhood heroes. Uh, you know, movie stars. Uh, you know, John Wayne. Um, oh God, Lee Marvin, uh, Robert Mitchum. You know, all the uh, the movie greats, Dean Martin. Uh, and, and believe it or not, even some of my uh, my hometown athletes uh, that I looked up to as a kid that played football, basketball, and so forth, uh, believe it or not, most of them smoked. And, of course, uh, as a kid, that's what you wanted to do. You wanted to grow up to be one of them. And I think that was my biggest influence, believe it or not, that got me to uh, taking that first cigarette. So watching the movie stars and such, you know, that basically influenced you. Yeah, they were they were the heroes. Everybody liked them. Everybody commented, "Oh, what a great person! What a great actor! What a great what a great!" And same with the local athletes. Uh, you know, great this, great that. And I think I affiliated uh, seeing them smoking. Oh, wow, this is cool. They they're they're an athlete. They smoke, so I got to do that. And I think that's what led me down that that path of smoking. Anybody in particular you idolized? Oh, as far as like a sports figure. A uh, sports figure, uh, right offhand, I, I, I can't say that I, I, I can. Well, b back when I was a child, yeah, there was a, a, a kid by the name of Vern Perry uh, took uh, the Michigan All-State Class C Championship in, in both uh, track uh, and football. Uh, I just idolized that man. I always wanted to do what he could do. And uh, I look back at it now, and I think he kind of smoked like a chimney. So uh, that was kind of one that I sort of followed a footstep in. Funny you mention a track star. You know, you don't, you don't, I guess, equate a track star with smoking, you know? No, because even now, a few steps and I get puffed out, you know? <laughs> yeah, believe me, I understand that. There was a, what was his name? Uh, famous guy, famous track star. Jesse Owens, I think it was? No, Jesse, Jesse Owens from uh, way back when in the Olympics, yep. Yeah, he was a smoker. Mm-hmm. From what he I smoked. recall. He, he did smoke, and, uh, of course, he took all kinds of, uh, all kinds of awards and medals and so forth. So, uh, again, it, it shows that some of us can do it and some of us can't. Yeah, right. People dying, at, you know, in 30s and 40s. And then there's other people who had a woman on a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
Oh, her name is Jean. I just got an email from her the other day. Um, you know, she's almost 60. She's 57, I believe it is. And she's still smoking. She's in fourth stage lung cancer. And she was diagnosed, so oh, it was almost three and a half, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doctors said, you know, you generally have 18 months, and here it is four years later. She's still smoking. She's still getting around. You know, she's under hospice care, but, you know, the bottom line is she don't have much time, but, you know, she's still out there smoking. Yep, and there's a lot of people that have done exactly that. My grandmother was a good one, died at age uh, 75 of lung cancer and emphysema, and the doctors told her uh, her name was Leafy. Uh, they said, Leafy, if you don't quit, you know, you, you don't have much longer to live. And she said, I'll go when the good Lord wants me to go, but I'm going to go happy. I can remember those words almost verbatim. And she died rather happily at age 75, um, still smoking. So, you know, some people, uh, you know, are able to overcome it, and others of us uh, are not. So uh, why why take the chance? This is true. When did your journey begin? Uh, When did you remember you having your first cigarette? Yeah, in fact, uh, Joe, I, I think I had my first cigarette at about age 13. Uh, there were a bunch of us junior high athletes that uh, went to a post-football uh, party, believe it or not, in my hometown. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of, there was a bonfire. There was old popping chips and whatever else. And off in the one little corner, I remember the uh, the, the idol, uh, our idolized athletes, if you would, our, our heroes, uh, over there puffing on some cigarettes. And kind of you go over and I always try to rub elbows. And I can remember one of the guys uh, asked me, uh, in fact, asked us, there was about three of us, Ask if we want a cigarette, and of course the answer was, well, yeah, of course, you know. So we went ahead and tried it, and that was my first time. And I tell you what, what a what a memory! It was a shock to my system. I didn't see where it was so great after that. Well, you caught on. Well, yeah, but you know, at the time I thought, God, this is pretty ugly. What did they do that for? But then I think to peer pressure, you know, to kind of maintain the coolness of of, of the big boys, so to speak. Uh, I just kind of continued on, and of course, once that demon takes a hold of you. Uh, like anything else, it's pretty hard uh, to break loose. Oh, of course. You know, like I, you know, I had mentioned in my story. You know, started at about the same age. You know, sitting in some of I remember, but smoke on the water on the, ra- you know, on the uh, record player, and uh, you know, sitting in a room with a bunch of older kids, and just uh, it's time to you know grow up, I guess, and you know learn the habits of the elders, I guess. Yeah, and that's what it was. I think uh, that's what I did. You know, it was, I thought, well, you know, these guys are smoking. And then you look back and say, gee, my uncle smokes, my, my grandmother smokes, this one smokes. And so it must be cool. It must be okay. It's it's uh, acceptable. So then you just keep on going. And then one day you say, well, you know, I don't think I want to do this anymore. But uh, that's what your inner part of your mind is saying. But the rest of your mind is saying, you ain't quitting. I got a hold of you. And uh, 40, 40 years later, I was still smoking. And what was it like for you when you when you when you started? I mean, uh, yeah. how did you, you remember the price of cigarettes? Do you remember what you were paying? How you? Were oh paying God, I think Joe back then uh, cigarettes were like uh, maybe a quarter a pack, something like that. There, it wasn't very much, fifteen twenty five cents somewhere around in there. Uh, Sixty five cents. That's. Uh, we used to buy the cheapies, uh, the cheapest ones you could find. You know, Marvels and uh, and uh, sometimes they'd have old golds on special and whatever else we could find. You know, we just grabbed whatever we could. Uh, a neighbor, uh, a friend of mine, his his parents smoked, and every now and then, I uh, hate to say it now, but you know he'd see the pack or uh, a couple or whatever. That's what we did. You know, it was always other people's brands, but they were cheap, uh, regardless. Yeah, especially when you get the five finger discount. Oh yeah, exactly. You know, you know it's one thing I can honestly say. I I, I never had to do that to. 
Well, I've, I've gotten mine, you know, through neighbors. I've never had to do it myself because I never had access to them. But, uh, you know, back then, uh, cigarettes were cheap, and it was almost like uh, the companies were out there uh, making it cheap so they could, uh, you know, induce you uh, induce you in. And, of course, exactly. later years, that's where we find out exactly what happened. But, yeah, they they were cheap, so we took advantage. You know, if you, you went out and picked up back in in Michigan where I'm born and raised. Uh, they had a 10-cent, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, refund on pop cans and what have you. So you go collect all the pop cans you could, you know. Just of course back then it wasn't ten cents; it was only a few cents. But right. you collect whatever you could to get enough for a pack of cigarettes, and then you'd have one of the one of the older kids in town, you know, go down and buy you a pack. And you hit them wherever you could hide them, you know, underneath of a trash can, and and uh, Lord knows wherever, in, in a stump of a tree, uh, whatever, just so you'd have them for the you know the next day or the next week. Exactly, it brings back memories when you say hide them. Boy, it does. I, I can. I can remember some of the places that I hit them, too. Uh, I almost closed my eyes and probably go back today if the woods were still there. I'll go back to that same stump and and, and find that big hole and know that's where I put my cigarettes. There's probably some still in there, in fact. There. Yeah, exactly. There might still be there. It might be antiques. <laughs> I'd like to see what they tasted like. Oh, my God. Take your head off. That's probably for sure. All right. So basically all your friends, a lot of them anyway, you smoked, so you were an athlete. Mm-hmm. And I guess a lot of the kids then, you know, everybody was smoking. What was it like around school? Did you did you smoke at school? Uh, yeah, you did. You tried to ditch out at lunch hour, and of course, you know, before you got school, and maybe right after school, uh, you know, went out behind the, you know, maybe the bus garage, or out, there was a little woods along the uh, the fence line by the school. Uh, so you go up there and have a cigarette or whatever. Those of us that did smoke uh, would sneak out uh, whenever we could to have a cigarette. Uh, that was always a challenge because if you ever got caught, of course, uh, not only would you be punished by the school, but they called mom and dad, and you got it uh, twice as bad when you got home, you know. So that was always a, a challenge with our smoking endeavors. Yeah, I like to, whenever I speak with somebody, I always like to ask them about school because uh, back in my school, there was actually a smoking section, and the kids were smoking. I mean, the teachers were out there smoking. You know, everybody kind of mingled together. And mm-hmm. It was like it was a... I guess nobody would say anything, you know. I mean, we were never told as kids, you know, 13, 14, even like 16 and 17, the teachers never said anything to us about smoking. Mm. And uh, I was always amazed at that, you know, later on in my life. Now, when I look back on that, it's like, God, I don't, you know, how could they let us do it? But, you know, time Well, you know, uh, when I was in school, our thing was they they had uh, in in the teacher's lounge, they could smoke in the teacher's lounge. And you'd walk by the, the lounge in the hallway of school and you could smell the smoke. Exactly. But yet, if we were ever caught smoking, even though it was off the grounds, we caught holy havoc, you know. And I thought, boy, what a set of double standards. There's something wrong with this picture, you know. See, and, and I think that kind of a of an ideal or philosophy kind of enhanced or enticed us to to smoke all the more because it was it was then a bigger challenge, not only from our parents, but uh, you know, from our from our teachers. Yeah, everybody around. And that that was my next question. You know, what was the general consensus? Of those around when it came to smoking, you know, everybody pretty much had a lackadaisical attitude about it. You know, I can understand where if they caught you at school, you know, they're going to call your parents. Did right. you ever get caught? Uh, no, I never did. Uh, I, I was uh, suspected many times by some of the teachers, the coaches, and uh, they said, we know you did it, but we can't prove it. And if we do, you know, we're going to call your mom and dad. Uh, so that's kind of where we left it. But, you know, you're talking about the consensus. Uh, those of us that smoked... Uh, 
we were a pretty tight clique. You know, we were uh, in in a particular group, either athletes or, or whatever. We had something in common, hunters, fishermen, or whatever it was. But then the, those that didn't smoke, kind of kind of looked uh, uh, against us as um, oh, I don't know, kind of like hoodlums. I guess if you want to back going way back, uh, dating myself to the term of a hoodlum. You know, if you smoked, you were kind of a hoodlum. Oh, you know, uh, you not date yourself. You you're what about forty five? Well, I wish. Boy, am I going to give you a big tip on this one? <laughs> no, that was uh, that would have been back in uh, goodness gracious. What would that have been? That would have been back in the early sixties. You know, so when it, you were it, in high school. When I was in high school, yeah. Right, so it, you're about. I'm going to guess you're about fifty-five then. Uh, a little bit older, about sixty years old. Okay, well, you're still uh-huh. a young guy. Oh yeah, I like to feel that I am anyway. And I hope I stay that way for a while. Okay, so you never got caught at school, but did your parents ever know that you smoked? I think they did. Well, in later years, as I got older, of course, became a young adult, uh, I was told that they did know. Uh, I knew they suspected many times because, you know, you'd come home from school, you'd you'd smoke a cigarette and didn't have anything else to to douse your breath. So believe it or not, as we were walking down the road, I lived out in the country, you'd grab a handful of cedar leaves and you'd chew on cedar. You know, and of course, who chews cedar? You know, nobody. <laughs> so when you got home, that smell was there. And of course, the smell was in your clothes that we never, we never smoked because we were too close to it. Uh, so they always would threaten, you know, I know you're smoking, but if I ever catch you, this is going to happen. And of course, you'd lie through your teeth when you were a child, you know. No, Mom, I, I never touched cigarette. I don't smoke. Uh, so-and-so did. I was walking next to so-and-so, and he or she was smoking. You know, so, I, boy, I, I must have cranked up a, a, a ton of lies. You know, I hope I'm forgiven down the road, you know. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure you will be. You know, I think we all did it. As a matter of fact, the other day, I just my daughter bent over to kiss me goodbye, and uh, you know, her boyfriend smokes, and you know, she bent over, and I'm like, Tara, why are you smoking? She's mm-hmm. like, No, it's not me. It's my boyfriend. All right, you know, but, uh, <laughs> you can. It definitely, my nose can smell it now. Oh yeah, I think so, we pick it up, but we've really become sensitized to it. And I'm surprised because if, you know, having parents that didn't smoke. Um, but then again, you're talking a while back. You know, back then it was a little bit different than now. I mean, now nowadays, parents, I'm sure, are going to go out of their way to make sure or find out if their kids are smoking. Right. You know, back then, I don't think parents were as uh, investigative. No, I think they took you at your word or, a, or, or if another adult called and said, you know, I've seen your son smoking or your daughter smoking, they would take that as gospel truth. But I don't right. think they really went out and investigated, like you said. I just think that was one of those things that they felt may have been a little too intrusive, uh, you know, back in those days. I don't know. Okay, so going through your teens, you graduate high school, and then what happened? Did you go into the? I noticed you said you were in the military. Yeah, after I graduated from school, uh, uh, I went to join the uh, military. I entered the, the Navy initially. Uh, I entered as a hospital corpsman, a, a medic, became a combat medic. And then... Uh, after my first four years, I, I got out, stayed out a little while, and then went into the Air Force. Uh, and of course, for there, I was a, I was a paramedic. So, you know, as as a medically related individual, I certainly seen some sites that uh, kind of changed my attitude on smoking. But uh, I think uh, my addiction was too well, uh, too deeply embedded uh, to really make a, a good tough stand and quit. Okay, and when you went into the military, which uh, would you have been in Korea? Uh, no, no, I was uh, after Korea, so after I, I was in I was in during the Vietnam conflict. 
did you happen to see any action or uh, not action per se? I, I did uh, airwack uh, flew some uh, airwacks out of Da Nang. Uh, we flew airwacks out were of in Vietnam though. Oh yeah, yeah, but not not in a combat stance per se. You know, we picked up patients uh, from the field, uh, flew them in the hard. Well, yeah, it was. You know, and it seen things that I hope uh, I never have to see again. And I certainly hope and pray that no others have to see, but we all know they're going to sooner or later. But uh, no, I, I flew airbags uh, out of uh, out of uh, Vietnam into um, into the Philippines, Hawaii, Guam, and then back to the states. And that was always uh, put a lot of pressure on you too. So you know, smoking was kind of one of those things. As soon as you you had a GI that was uh, you know that was in tough shape, first thing you ask you for, hey doc, you got a cigarette? And of course, you always had a cigarette. And when you gave him one, of course, you had one. You know how that goes. Sure. So it just. Uh, it didn't help matters any. What was the attitude of the military towards people who smoked back then? Back then, I thought that it was kind of one of those things was uh, it was almost expected. You know, I mean, they issued you cigarettes and your sea rations. Uh, cigarettes were cheap at the commissary. My God, they were they were less than a buck a, a carton. Uh, I mean, if you were out, you could go down to the Red Cross. They would give you cigarettes. I mean, it was one of those things like they really wanted you to have. Uh, I think looking back on, I think maybe the military thought that it was a it was a type of tranquilizers. You know, we can keep them happy and let them smoke and let them relax. Uh, we we keep them their tensions down and they'll be a little bit better uh, or easily uh, managed. You know, and I don't mean that quite in the in the negative sense. Yeah, basically, it's uh, I guess they used it or let you uh, self medicate. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know? And uh, you know, I guess that would be something that. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I, I'm, I'm looking at it as, I mean, if I was in the military, I can only imagine what you saw, and I would definitely be looking for ways to medicate myself. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? Well, there was guys, you know, as, as everybody knows, during any war, uh, as that goes, or conflict, uh, there were a lot of guys that, that did a lot of medication that certainly wasn't cigarettes. Uh, you know, yeah. there a lot more than that. So, you know, cigarettes really weren't that bad. But, you know, even back then... Uh, when you think about it, medical personnel uh, never thought much about it. I mean, it was, okay, so what? Big deal, you know? So you smoke. You know, they really never coached you or advised you on the ill effects of smoking, you know, like they do today. Right. It was just like one of those things. Uh, okay, you know, uh, Mr. GI or Sarge or whatever, you know, so you smoke. Uh, I'll make sure that the nurses, uh, uh, you know, have your cigarettes here so you can have them uh, at your leisure. You know, nothing about what can we do to help you quit? Can we send you to a class or whatever? It was just pretty open. You know, it really was. The attitude was really, really different uh, towards smoking then. It was almost a promotion, yeah, you know, versus a, a diversion. Yeah. How long were you in the military? I put 23 years in. I retired in uh, I retired in uh, in uh, 19, uh, October of 1988 with uh, 23 total years. So it was a it was a pretty lifelong event, so to speak. Well, let me say thank you. Well, I appreciate it. Just as I say thank you to all those that are serving today or uh, have served, all the vets of of my generation and generations past, uh, you know, whether they be active duty, reserve, or whatever, uh, you know. uh, Yeah, it's thank you for serving, thank you for a job well done, and thank you for for protecting my freedom. You know, because I'm out now and it's other people that have stepped in to take my place and other people's places. And it's because of them uh, that you and I can do what we're doing today. I agree 100%. That's why, like I said, thank you very much for it. Mm, You betcha.
Uh, let me see here. I, I noticed in your in your journal that when you were writing, you stated that your wife is a non-smoker. Has that been? She never smoked. No, uh, my wife has never smoked uh, in in her entire life. Her mom and dad were both smokers, but but she uh, grew up kind of loathing it. She just really, they lived in a real small house uh, uh, with uh, you know growing up with with seven kids uh, in a real small house. So smoke was you know pretty uh, pretty condensed. Uh, so hated it. Um, but uh, when I met her, it was like, okay, so you smoke. I don't like it. I don't like the smell. It makes you stink. Blah blah and so forth. Little subtle hints but never really raised cane about it. Yeah, you brought up an interesting point there. You know, you come from a family, mom and dad don't smoke. Mm-hmm. You ended up smoking. Right. She comes from a family that both parents smoke, and she doesn't smoke. Right. Do any of her, did any of her uh, brothers and sisters pick up the habit? I think, uh, I think there was, let's see, I think three of the seven smoked. Uh, two, I think, of which... I'm trying to you know, no, yeah, two of which still smoke, and and I think part of the Joe too, and to to throw another little iron here is that uh, my wife's uh, family were, were uh, mom and dad were heavy drinkers, okay, and smoking became uh, really heavy, you know, during the time of drinking. Uh, if if you've ever been a drinking man, you know that beer in one hand and cigarette in the other, you know. Uh, I think I, two beers. <laughs> yeah, and I've done the same thing. Believe me, I, I I did the same thing. So I think it was a it was a kind of a double whammy whore, you know, and so she just never smoked. Uh, but yet, by the same time, uh, she never really drilled me a lot either. You know, I mean, it was always little subtle things, and I knew where she was coming from, and I I respected her wishes. I tried to stay away from her as much as I could when I was smoking, you know, on the other side of the room way back when I was still smoking in the house or keep a window open in the car, things of that nature. Right. Well, like I said, I just, I found it, I find it intriguing. And, uh, you know, the more people I speak to, it's just, it boggles my mind. I mean, it's like, you think you have it figured out why people do it. You know, mm-hmm. okay, the parents smoke, so it's a learned behavior. Maybe it's genetics where it's inherited. And then all of a sudden, you know, you run into somebody like your wife, who basically now, it's, she sees something that, you know, she had a bad taste in her mouth, so to speak, for it, mm-hmm. and that drove her not to smoke. Right. So, I mean, and I and, and I on the reverse side seen something that I I didn't have, so I thought maybe I better try it. Right. Mm-hmm. How'd you guys first meet? Uh, believe it or not, I was home on leave. Uh, I met her at a uh, at a uh, a little uh, hometown uh, family market, a little grocery store. I went down. Uh, uh, believe it or not, I was underage, but I was in uniform. I went down and bought a six pack of beer. She sold it to me with no problem. I thought she was a pretty nice-looking lady. So I went home that afternoon and told my mom. I said, you know, I'm going to ask that that girl down there at this Pembroke's grocery. I said, I'm going to ask her out to the concert tonight. Well, I chickened out in the in the interim, but my mom didn't know this. She went down and told her that uh, later on in the day she had to get some groceries. She says, hey, I understand my wife's taking or my uh, my son is taking you out tonight. Well, you know, <laughs> it didn't go too good. So mom came in and told her or told me then what happened, so I kind of felt pretty guilty. So then I went down and asked her out. And uh, that's where it began, and here we are nearly 40 years later and still together. God bless you. So it's working out pretty good. And like you said, she never really bugged you as far as quitting. No, I never got mad, never really yelled about, you know, would you put that darn thing out or whatever. You know, it was always, "Uh, honey, can you go to the other side of the room or, you know, would you mind opening a window? You know, real sweet about it. Always little subtle hints, 
And, of course, I, I always tried to comply, but it wasn't enough to make me quit. But uh, she was she was really good-hearted about it. She put up with more than most would, I think. Okay, good. Let me ask you, how did it affect your relationship with her? Did it ever get in the way? Oh, uh, not really in the way. Uh, I, I think early in our early years, uh, uh, when I became, I was, uh, of course, as a smoker, you know, a lot of us get chronic bronchitis, and that's what I used to get. And she'd harp on me pretty bad then. And, and there would be times to said, look, just never mind if I'm going to die of smoking, I'm going to die of smoking. It's none of your damn business or whatever. You know, one of those type things. <clears throat> and then it would be dropped. I mean, it was just some little quick spat, and it was all over. Uh, or when the kids, uh, both of my boys had asthma, uh, so I smoked. Uh, so it would get not really overly heated, but it would get a little bit heated then. And it, then it would be dropped. You know, she kind of made her point, and let's drop it. So it affected our relationship in a way, uh, just small bites at a time, but nothing that ever created a, a major problem for us. Okay. And like most smokers who have kids, um, myself included, uh, we promise ourselves to quit, you know, when our kids are born. No, do we ever. Uh, I, did it, I did it three times each, each time I failed. How about mm-hmm. you? Oh, God, I, I started long before that. I started uh, even uh, when we first got married, promising my, my wife I was going to quit. But then when the kids, when I found out she was pregnant, uh, I knew what the hazards were or what it could be. Oh, that's it. I'm going to quit. Uh, I'm not going to smoke in the house. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do. Well, it would last a day or two. And then, of course, the old addiction took over, you know, and, and then I'd go right back to it again. So I, I tried oh dozens upon dozens of times uh, with each child. I have two boys, and with each child, um, I had it, and even when the grandkids uh, came along, I said, "I'm going to try. You know, I'm, I'm going to quit. I don't want them exposed to this," and it didn't work. So, you know, I think we all make those decisions with with honesty in our heart, but that old demon gets a hold of you, and it's it's pretty hard to break that habit. Yeah, that's the truth. Let me just give a shout out here to uh, Debbie or Deb. Debbie, how you doing? Don't know if you're on the computer or on the phone. Looks like you're on the computer. I don't know if you know Debadoo. Oh, yeah, I know Debadoo, one of my longtime friends, met her in Ohio a few years back. She looks like she's on the computer listening, so, you know, hey, Deb. Let me ask you this, Randy, growing up, uh, with, I mean, as the kids were growing up, did you smoke around them? Yeah, unfortunately I did. You know, I, uh, it was like uh, as long as I'm a little ways away from them, it's not going to bother them. Who knew about secondhand smoke, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I did. I'd be working side by side with them. Uh, playing a game with them or whatever, have the ashtray on the table, smoking. Uh, so they were always continuously exposed to it. Any of them pick up the habit? Unfortunately, you know, both of them did. Uh, they didn't pick it up young in, in life, but they did pick it up. And uh, my oldest son, uh, who's 37, uh, he smokes now very little, you know, kind of uh, more of a entertainment type thing. If he's out with the guys, he'll have a few cigarettes or whatever, out to a party or whatever, that's about it. My uh, youngest son... Uh, still smokes, not a lot, but uh, still smokes, uh, you know, on a regular basis. So uh, that's one bad habit I think uh, they inherited from Dad. So you think it was something inherited? Well, I, I shouldn't say inherited. I, I still believe that the, the addictions that we have, a lot of the addictions we have, smoking and drinking especially, have somewhat been kind of proven uh, that they are inherited. There are little micro cells in our in our system that, that either pick up or don't pick up, you know, certain types of, of traits. Uh or, or like nicotine, it'll attach a little receptors, I guess I should say it. Some of those receptors are a little bit more viable 
uh, in some than others. So I, I say inherited, yes, on, on that side. But then I think it was a habit they picked up, and, and not to pat me on the back, but both of my boys uh, uh, to this day still have an awful lot of respect for me, which, which I appreciate, and I respect that. And I think they just kind of said, well, gee, Dad did it, so why not me? And all of a sudden, of course, that, that, that addiction just kind of got a hold of them, and you know, it became a habit, and it was something that was enjoyable to them, so they continued it, even though right. I quit. Have either of them decided that uh, possibly they're going to quit themselves? No, the, my oldest son has his. My oldest son has said several times that, uh, Dad, uh, I'm going to quit. That that's it. I got to quit this stuff. You know, I got to quit eating. I got to quit this. I got to quit drinking. Uh, not that he's a heavy drinker, but you know, he drinks. Uh, uh, you know, a couple, two, three times a week with the guys or whatever. Uh, right. You know, a beer or two, but uh, you know, uh, that that kind of thing. And he always keeps saying, I'm going to quit. I said, well, you know, I hope you do because, you know, look at the old man here. Uh, the old man's got uh, asthma real bad, and I got COPD. Uh, you know, I, I, I walk uh, I walk a half a block and I can't hardly breathe. Uh, if I pick something up and go to move it, like when we were moving, a few boxes, my God, i I got to stand there and take my breath. Uh, and they see that. Uh, but are they ever going to get it through the thick skulls? I don't know. You know, it may take, it may take something shocking uh, to make them quit. They keep saying they're going to try. And I think they honestly do for a day or two, and then it kind of goes by the wayside. Now, I'm going to get, uh, just want to ask you while I got this on my mind. Do you say you have COPD? Uh huh. Yeah, I do. I got uh, uh, moderate COPD uh, on a gold scale. Uh, for anybody that uh, might be listening or whatever, uh, I'm moderate. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a 59. Uh, and of course, the lower the number, the better you are. Uh, or was a 59. I, I went to 60 last year on my last the PFT, my pulmonary function test. So the COPD is is getting a little worse, not so much related to the smoking, but mostly to age. You know, the damage was already done, and as we get older, our, our lungs just kind of lose natural elasticity anyway. So it is getting. How many packs a day were, were you smoking? How many I was about uh, probably about a pack uh, to a pack and a half a day. I mean, not real heavy, but it was for a lot of years. You know, some days I got some days it was worse. I mean, it, on an average, I'd say probably a pack and a half a day. So it was enough to, uh, you know, to do the damage, and I think some of us just have a propensity uh, to get certain to have certain things happen to us uh, more so than others. And I just happen to fall into that that category that has the the bigger bigger chance of having something happen. So let's go back to your decision, the first one to quit smoking. When was the first time that you decided to quit, and why? Well, the very first time I, I, I think that I um, uh, decided to quit, I think it was right after I got married. I got married in 1969, uh, and I was uh, always setting a new quit date. You know, I'm going to quit, I'm going to quit. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to make it my wine. I'm going to do my wife a favor, and I'm just going to quit. So I went down, and I think I got some uh, uh, some of those nicotine uh, pills, nicorettes, or whatever they were called at the time. I got some of those, and... And, and try those, uh, maybe quit for oh, about a week. And then uh, it was, I always blame it on tension. Oh, I just can't do it anymore. The tension is just getting to me. The cigarettes relax me. And I must have did this off and on for, oh, God, I don't know. I, I probably tried to quit 100 times. And the first time would have been 1969? But 1969 is when I tried it the first time. And I've been going, was going strong until until 2001 trying to quit. Obviously, I didn't do a very good job, nor was my willpower there. 
but the first time I thought, you know, my wife wants me to quit. She's not a smoker. I obviously it bothers her, and I loved her enough to to say, you know, I, I got to do something about this. I'm gonna, I'm really going to try. And, and I was serious at the time. I really did. I gave it my best shot, or what I thought was my best shot, uh, each time that I quit. But it would only last two, three days, a week maybe, and then right back again. Uh, so at least you made it a couple of days. I used to say I was going to quit, and I'd last them, you know, two, three hours. No, I I do usually at least a day, at least a day or two, sometime a little longer. My longest was usually, uh, you know, almost a week, and then I would fall. I just couldn't do it no more. What was the biggest obstacle, you think, for you to overcome in the struggles as you fought it? Uh, I think uh, one being around uh, people that smoked uh, at at the time. Uh, You know, being in the military, most of us did uh, smoke. Uh, Two... The job that I had was very, very tedious, uh, created a lot of tension, uh, and, and I think that played an awful lot. Uh, you know, when we get tense, we tend to grab a cigarette right away, and I think that was one of the big things. And then I, I believe that my honest to God biggest obstacle, I can say this now that it's over and done with, <clears throat> but it's just a plain lack of willpower. You know, I don't think down deep in my own heart and mind that I really wanted to quit because I think you have to want to do something before you're going to be a success at it. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Yep, I, I really believe that. You know, I've, I've said that to newbies on, on the on the QuitNet, the people I've talked to. Uh, I'd say, folks, hey, if you want to quit smoking, don't even think about it. Just buy all the cigarettes you want, smoke all you want, drink whatever you do whatever. But until you absolutely make up your mind 100% that this is what you want to do, it's a waste of your time. Exactly. And I really, Joe, I believe that. I'll, I'll believe that to the day I die. That's a thought, a philosophy I'm going to take to the grave with me. And I agree with you 100%. You know. So as mm-hmm. far as you know, quitting, you, basically what you think you, you, a hundred times you tried to quit. Oh, I'd, I'd say probably overall, and, and I'm and I'm counting the times that I just said, you know, said I'm going to do it. I'm going to quit this time. Every time the, the the word quit entered my mind, and I was somewhat serious on it, where I quit two three days or whatever, I'd say probably a hundred times between 1969 and 2001. And you think more. More than likely, it's just, I mean, just lack of willpower. That's pretty much what it was. For the most part, yeah. I, I really believe that down deep, I just didn't want to. I just didn't have the willpower to, to fight, the, to, to fight the, the habit. It was easier to give in and smoke, you know, than it was just to, to go through what I perceived at the time to, to be a real battle uh, to quit. So I just. It's it's, you know, you mentioned easy things. I, I heard something a couple of weeks ago. Um, that I like to tell people now was I was watching a movie one night and the guy, and this one guy says even easy things are hard if you do them half-assed. You got that right. <laughs> you know, it's just and it was hard. I kind of wrote that down. I got it up on my desk now, and I just I look at that now, and I just I'm amazed that when people you know they you know they last you know a couple hours and just how hard it is. And it's like you don't need you didn't give it a chance. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm in I'm in sales. I, I you know I, I sell major appliances, uh, and, and I've been in sales for years because I come out of Air Force Recruiting Service for many 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 years, and it's like getting a sale. You gotta you gotta persist. You gotta pursue. When a when a customer tells you no, all it is it, they, exactly. And what they're saying is, if you give me more information, I may say yes. So it, it's how determined are you? You know, I've seen I've seen salespeople do that where they say. 
oh, okay, well, thank you, and they walk away. Right. Or the, the the one that's determined, you know, the one that has a, the tenacity and believes in themselves will just pursue. You know, I mean, they won't be rude about it. Pardon? you got to get a few no's before you get the yes. Exactly right, exactly right. And unfortunately, uh, I got a whole lot of no's before I finally said yes, you know. Okay, so November 18th rolls around, 2001. What made this day and the decision to accept this challenge different than the other ones? Okay. Well, I tell you what, it all started basically on October 28th, uh, to be honest with you. My actual quit date was November 1st, but on October 28th, uh, uh, actually before that there, I, I, or November 18th, uh, October 28th, I made up my mind I was going to quit. So I, I was out in my back patio. Uh, in fact, we were here in Arizona at that time. Uh, I always smoked outside then. I was out reading a paper and, and having my coffee in the morning. I started coughing so bad. I, I was choking. I couldn't breathe. And not being able to breathe, uh, Joe, is the scariest thing a person will ever go through. Uh, that scared me to death. Being an old medic, things flew through my mind that I thought I had forgotten, you know, about medicine. And all the, the flashbacks of people being doing tricks on them, you know, putting a hole in the throat so they can breathe, putting tubes down in their throat, so forth and so on. I was so scared, my heart came right up into my throat. And I made up my mind right then and there, enough is enough. What am I doing? I'm killing myself. This is crazy. I need to quit. So I tried. I really tried, and I just couldn't do it. I, you know, same thing. I had the last few days, and it was just, you know, I can't do it. So I went to see my doctor, and she put me, uh, we discussed it at length, and she said the same thing. She said, Randy, if you're not ready to do this 100%, I can't help you. She said, I, all the medicine in the world is not going to work. So she says, you have to be 100% committed. And I told her, I said, you know, Dr. Bruce, I'm committed. Uh, this scared me. So she put me on Wellbutrin. I took it for the prescribed period of time. And on uh, November uh, 18th, I quit smoking. And it's been, uh, it's been a, a, a great journey ever since. I no so longer have. Do you think the Wellbutrin was the key? Well, Butrin, I think, was the, the well, the, the scare. The scare is what set into my mind saying to myself, uh, it was saying, self, you're a fool. You're going to die if you keep this crap up. Uh, and that made it, that, it brought reality to me. I mean, it was like, right now, this is real. This isn't, this isn't fake. This isn't uh, uh, supposed. This is real. Uh, and I knew I, I kind of couldn't do it on my own because I tried too many times before. And uh, the, new, the medicine at the time, the Wellbutrin, uh, was proven to have been uh, uh, re- used really well for, for the anxiety attacks that you get with, with quitting certain types of addictions. Uh, so she said, we're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to use it. So I, I tried it, and my wife said that I turned into uh, like an angel. I was like, a, I was like a different person. She didn't know whether she had married the same man. You know, my attitude changed. My disposition changed. Uh, Everything changed, and obviously all to the better. And um, I was just—I was able to overcome, uh, you know, all the little uh, the cravings that I had, the urges. I didn't let them get to me. It was like, oh, so what? I can—I can beat this. It didn't bother me anymore. You know, I was totally relaxed. Uh, then when I came off the Wellbutrin, how long were you uh, on it? Uh, she had me on for four months. So I was on it, uh, I went on a regular basis, you know, uh, for the seven days, and then I took one a day for four months. 
and uh, she told me it's up to you. She said, uh, you know, if you want to quit, I said, I, th- I think I got it licked. So I reduced my dosage, you know, to, like every other day, every third day, ran right down to nothing. And I've been clean ever since. So I, I related to that scare that I had on the back patio. Uh, and then number two, I related to Dr. Bruce uh, for having prescribed me the Wellbutrin, feeling that my anxieties were uh, one of the biggest uh, uh, obstacles that I had. Fear is a great motivator. It is. Uh, you know, it, it, it scared me to to no end, uh, and to this day, I, I hope I never have that uh, that feeling, although I've come close to it with the COPD, uh, but I know it's a little bit different. But it, it's, it's, a, it's a feeling that, that makes you realize that, hey, you know, it, it's if, if you don't take care of you, who's going to? Exactly. I wish my brother-in-law would have done that. I mean, I remember one time, you know, he got out of his van, he was coughing so bad, and he just couldn't catch his breath, mm-hmm. and he was on the side of the road just sitting there. And it's like, you know, want to call an ambulance for you right here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he finally catches his breath back, and then he grabs another cigarette. I'm like, yep. what's wrong with you? And, and, you, know? and you know, many many of us have done that over the years. I mean, you know, when I played ball, I played ball real heavily. I played softball for years and years and years. And, you know, you get a base hit. By the time I got to first base, I was reading so heavy, I, I thought I was going to vomit. And I'm saying, well, I'll, I'll never have another cigarette again. So as soon as the inning's over, what do I do? Go have a cigarette, you know? So sometimes sometimes it's just hard for us to learn. Yeah, I understand that. How empowering was it for you to wake up each day as a non-smoker? I tell you what it's done for me, Joe. Uh, Each day that that I wake up and have woke up uh, since since I was able to quit, uh, I I don't know how to describe it. It it just gives me the power. It's it's um, what I want to say. It it um, I can do whatever I want to do. I know now that. If I say no, it's no. If I say yes, by damage, yes. I know I can do it. it uh, quitting, quitting smoking was something that I never thought I would ever be able to do. And when I did, I thought, you know, by God, if I can do this, I can do anything that's put in front of me. Uh, yeah, you know, I like it, to say that it, you know, quitting smoking is not just about quitting smoking. Oh, no, it, it's like a whole lot of other things. I mean, it, it, it allows you to do things that you never dreamed that you could do. You know, because you look back and say, by damn, you know, I quit smoking on a 40-year habit. I quit. And God dang it, if I can do that, I can do this. So, you know, I, I just, it gives me the power to say no uh, to the bad. It gives me the power to say yes to the good. And I learned that uh, I think that quitting smoking uh, has reestablished my, my willpower to the max or, or near to the max. You know, I, I've just got the will to say I can do it. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it really did. It just, it was a great step forward to me. And, uh, of course, it was a lifesaver. I know you were you you spent a lot of time in your early days on the queue, and it helped you, or when I say the queue, for anybody out there listening that doesn't know, that's the QuitNet. Um, how important was that for you to be able to go on there and basically talk about what's going on in your life? I think it was one of the most important things, uh, you know, um, avenues uh, that I had in my life because and not to take any away from my life uh, my wife because she she was my cornerstone you know I mean they all uh, yeah she I mean you know the, her, her love of, of uh, you know, wanting me to hang around and, and quit and so forth and so on she just hung in there with me the good bad the ugly she was there so that was my cornerstone but having never smoked uh, and she admits it she, she just couldn't understand what I was going through so when I found the cue 
it, it was it was my focal point. I mean, it was it was here. It is. Wow, look what I have found. Uh, you know, uh, again, my wife is my main cornerstone, but but the Q allowed me to to build in that cornerstone. It allowed me to to build the pyramid that I think I've got today, and it has allowed me to to rise as high in that pyramid as I have. Uh, the folks on the Q were they were always there. Uh, they were always ready to offer advice. Uh, they offered tough love when you needed it, uh, and that's a, that's a topic in itself, and I think we all need to have it. Uh, they they held me up when I was weak. Uh, you know, they, 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 they pardon the expression, they, they kicked my behind when they needed it. They weren't afraid to do it. And and, and I just believe that, that we all need support. We all need a support system. And, and the Q was, was my support system. They were there. They were people that understood. They were people that been there, done that. Uh, and they weren't afraid to speak out. They were, they were, they were wanting you to be successful like they were. I, I just can't say enough about the Q, and I think that's why to this day it's so hard for me to, uh, to say, you know, every now and then I say, you know, uh, I've been around a long time. I've been around seven years. It's, it's time to leave, and I can't, you know, because there's there's too much out there to give yet, <laughs> and I, I believe I got a lot to give back, uh, to equal that which I have been given. Exactly. You got to pay it forward, as someone once told me. Yeah, and I believe that. I really do. Hi, Randy. Hey, who is this? This is Deb. <laughs> Debbie, do how are you, sweetheart? I'm doing well, thank you. That's good. Good to hear I your voice. To, I just wanted to say, uh, you were a, a lifeline for me too. Well, I thank you very much because you, along with many, many others, have been my <laughs> lifeline. And if we if we stick together and keep putting those links uh, together, we're going to have one hell of a long chain. That's right, and I, I can't find it in my heart to leave the queue yet either. So. Well, that's good. Let's all let's all hang in there and be positive and, and stick with each other, and maybe we can get a whole lot more to quit too. There you go. That's what no it's all about. No reason for anybody to leave. You can always come back. Oh that's yeah. That's true. I but, know because yeah. I know somebody who's done that a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, there's there's you know some leave and come back. They leave, they come back. Uh, you know, we're always there. You know, yeah. and, and people like Deb's been around a long time. There's a lot of people that's been around an awful long time. And that's got us. That's that just says uh, tons about the queue. You know what it is. Yeah, one point I've always game. tried to drive home, Randy, uh, to new people is that you know it, the mind will make this journey as easy or as difficult as we envision it. Mm-hmm. For years, I believed the lies of the past about how difficult this challenge was. Then I made up my mind that it was no longer going to be, and mm-hmm. it wasn't. What about you? Looking back on this successful journey, almost seven years, mm-hmm. was it as hard as you originally envisioned it to be? It was not. Uh, I, I think the the envisionment that I initially had was was uh, falsely perceived. Uh, now that I've been through it uh, and having received the support that I did, I'm not going to tell anybody out there that it's easy. But I'm telling you that if you follow the protocol that the Q has established for a lot, a lot of years and listen to those of us, so to speak, that have been there, done that, uh, it'll make the journey a whole lot easier. You know, this, this journey is like a road trip. Uh, you know, we get into crashes. There's a record there to pick us up. Uh, we have a flat tire. Somebody's going to pump it up for us. We run out of gas. Somebody's going to there to put gas in it. Uh, so we're on this journey. Uh, uh, you know, where's it going to end? It, it'll end at the top. And the top doesn't end or doesn't come until we're, until we're gone, until we're dead. Exactly. So uh, I think we just need to stick with it. And, um, you know, uh, I had a, a quit buddy a long time ago 
told me that uh, she gave me some tough love. She says, uh, quit your crying and face the problem. You know, uh, if you want to whine, go someplace else. And I believe that on the queue, you know. Oh, Don't whine. Cool if you tell people that, though. I'm sorry? you got to be careful when you tell people that they get so offended by it. Well, yeah, but, but you got to be realistic. we got to be adults. And I don't mean it the way it may sound. But on the, other, on the other hand, uh, some of that stuff woke me up. And here's something else, and I maybe shouldn't bring it up at this time, but I think it's great. Another one of my Q buddies, uh, she's a retired minister. I was having some problems in my early days uh, on the Q and kind of the whining, crying, and what am I going to do? And she said to this, whether you're a believer or not, if he takes you to it, he'll take you through it. You just got to have faith. And we got to have faith in our maker. We got to have faith in each other. And you got to have faith in yourself. And if you can do that, Joe, we can be successful in our, in our quits, whether it be with alcohol, whether it be with drugs, or whether it be with smoking. I'm a firm believer in that. I agree 100%. You gotta so, believe, and that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people out there don't. You know, and that's the problem. They just, you know, there's there's people out there. You know, they've been told for years and years and years not to believe. You know, you know, in yourself. They've been beaten up, and then all of a sudden their self-esteem is so far down, they they just don't believe in themselves that they can accomplish anything. Exactly. And, well, you know, there's a lot of people out there that think that. Well, I joined the queue. I uh, I got this pill. I'm going to quit smoking and so forth and so on. Well, I'm here to tell you. And I think this came from Vince Lombardi. I'm not for absolutely sure, but I think it did. It says, the, the stairway to success is broken. Take the stairs one step at a time. You know, and if we can, if we can do that, it'll work. So out there, I, I tell people, uh, you know, when you get ready, plan your quit, prepare for your quit, stay on the queue, and whatever you do, stay focused and positive. And don't be afraid to ask for support or any kind of help. And most of all, you have to be honest with yourself. And if you can do that, there's no reason why all of us on here cannot be successful. Exactly. Yeah, and ask for help before you smoke. Uh, I'm sorry? Ask for the help before you smoke. Yes, yes, don't be afraid to ask. You know, uh, that's why the the, the three-post rule is there, and there's a good reason for that. Right. You know, I've been very fortunate. Uh, thank God, I've uh, you know uh, almost seven years now, and I've I've never I've never slipped, I've never relapsed, relapsed or anything else. I, I feel Neither, blessed. I for, never had to reset my gadget. <laughs> no, and, and I won't reset my gadget. You know, if if I slip or if I relapse, it goes back to zero because exactly. you know you, you, when you quit, it's quit. If you slip, you start all over again. You know exactly. And uh, we have to accept that. I can't. I uh, there's. <laughs> it's not an option for me. I just there's no way out to smoke again ever. Well, I always told my wife, uh, God, God, uh, uh, for, uh, you know, uh, forgive me if I if I do. But I tell you what, God forbid, if I ever start again, I'll probably never quit again. Yes, yeah, that's I'm mean, afraid of too. So it, I just it, won't do it. It was it was tough. It was tough. And do I want to go through that again? I, I don't think so. So the easiest thing to do is don't restart, and right. I don't have to worry about it. Anybody in particular you'd like to thank for helping you on this journey? Oh, Joe, I, I tell you what, there, there's a million, there's a million out there. The first one I think, uh, and I don't see around much, and I hate to name names because there's a, there's a billion of them. Mm-hmm. But the oh, one that gave, the one that gave me the tough love was was a lady called Joe. 
Her her cue name was Windsong. She's the one that told me to quit whining and get off my duff and, and face the music. And the other one would have to be um, uh, uh, Pastor Ruth, a hillbilly getting going. She's the one to give me the uh, he'll take you to it. Uh, other than that there, I mean, there, there's hundreds of them. There, there's, I mean, everybody on the queue. They really have. Every day, even though I'm not uh, posting much, I lurk a lot. I'll even read a newbie's uh, uh, post. And by God, you know, I learned something out of it. Mm-hmm. So each each and every one of, uh, of, of the queue members are, are my heroes, even though I don't recognize everybody uh, maybe like I should. Uh, but believe me, I do read. I do know kind of who you are. Uh, so, so you've all you, – I thank each and every one of you, regardless whether you've been quit, uh, you know, 109 months or 10 years or whatever, or whether you just quit yesterday. Great, great. One last question for you, Randy. Yes, sir. If there's one piece of advice that you could offer to these new people out there listening and uh, they're looking for some hope, what would you offer to them to give them that hope? Um. I guess probably what I would have to say is believe in yourself, seek support and friendship, and most of all, focus, focus, focus on your goals and be as positive as you possibly can in anything and everything that you do. Never quit quitting, and if you, if you, if you fail, it's only because you didn't try. That's the only advice that I can give. I think that's something that people can take to the bank. And I, it's taken me to the bank, and it's made me millions as far as I'm concerned, and that's the best advice that I can give. That's great. I really do appreciate you being on. Deb, you have any questions for Andy? Oh, no, I just wanted to say hi. <laughs> you just wanted to say hi. He's, he's, he's special. He's a special he's man. He's, and well, him and his I want... wife were just so nice to me when I was traveling back east, and we had a nice little visit, and I just, they're just great people. Well, you guys actually have met. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we met in person in, in Ohio. She was traveling through, and uh, uh, we went up to meet her. She was at a motel, so we uh, uh, as passing through, so we met her at a local restaurant and had lunch and got yeah. to know each other. Uh, so it yeah, was it was, oh, it was a pleasure. I've had the I've had the, the utmost opportunity of having met uh, probably, oh, close to 150 or, or better people on the queue so far. And That's it awesome. is. Awesome. I think I've only met about five. <laughs> well, it's so. it's awesome, and I can only say that if we ever get another Q meet any place anywhere, if an individual gets the opportunity to go, please go because these people are just they're, they're blessings in disguise. They're angels or whatever. Uh, they're, they're they're friends beyond belief. Uh, and meeting them in person is just awesome. So take well, that opportunity you guys have if you get the chance. More people than I have because I've I haven't met anybody except on the phone on the queue. Well, you've done a great job with it, uh, Joe, and believe me, I think your program is going to do wonders for a lot of us. And if you ever get the opportunity to, to go to a meet, uh, I hope that I have the same opportunity and be able to meet you there. Well, I would love the opportunity to come around. We'll see what happens. But, well, uh, you know, we'll go from pa- there. Paths yeah. cross uh, in, in many, many uh, ways, so maybe we'll get lucky. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being on, Randy. I really do. It wasn't as hard as you thought, right? No, no, I didn't think it was hard at all. I, I, no, I appreciate it. I, I love giving, um, you know, giving what I what helped me out to others, and I hope it worked. And I just, I really appreciate you having given me the opportunity to do so, Joe. Yeah, just uh, you know, like I get, I have a lot of problems with people 
wanting to come on because I think that they're afraid that it's going to be some, um, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for, Deb? Like like I, drilling? Yeah. <laughs> you're, going to be, you're going to be grilled, you know? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, I, I think they think they want it. They're going to be asked too many personal questions that they don't want to answer, and it's really you can answer what you want, and you don't have to answer some of it if you don't want to. But Exactly. I just feel like if you want to, I mean, it's, it's just another way to give back. And I'm know. just trying to figure out what I can do differently to get more people to talk about what they have to offer. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've, I've tried to recruit a few more. I, I was surprised well, that I got turned down by so many. But Well, what it is, I, I used to be a counselor for years and years and years in the Air Force, uh, you know, an enlisted counselor, and uh, it's awful hard to get people to open up. They're always afraid they're gonna they're gonna spill something special, you know. They're always afraid that they may be embarrassed or whatever, uh, you know. Go with your heart. Uh, yeah. Let it go. And you know, like conversation, you know. We're we're supposedly we're all friends here. Or we wouldn't be on the queue. Maybe we haven't met each other, but open up. Tell it like it is. Don't be afraid. Uh, even if you have to get deep down and, and say, uh, you know, some of these people are just awesome this happened that happened i hate this i don't be afraid you know don't be afraid to say like the statement i made earlier and you said joe you said i could get in trouble for it you know quit your crying you know if you want to whine go elsewhere hey i I tell it like it is and i don't mean it maybe the way it sounds sometimes i'm not too uh, uh i'm not too cool with my with my message uh you know as far as uh being really elite about it and with a lot of finesse but, you know, we got to face reality. We all have this, this problem, and we need to get it out in the open. How can, we, how can we help each other if we don't know what our problems are? I agree so I understand that. I mean, here's, I posted a little, little while ago on the queue, and I said, you know, Randy's on here. You got any questions for him? Come on over and, you know, just answer. I hope you don't mind, Randy. Mm. Um, mm. Had a, I had a few people come over, but, you know, it amazes me because here's a reply that somebody says. And I'm basically just going to read what they wrote. When I went to the site, it said, it appears you have a pop-up blocker. I am reluctant to give that up, and I won't. What? <laughs> I mean, it's simple. So did you mine. Know? I just said unblock this for this particular show. Exactly. I mean, I just don't. <laughs> yeah, you, you're not unblocking the world, you know. Right. It's just, and you can, you can do it temporarily. It doesn't even have to be forever. <laughs> you know, if somebody wants, you know, I don't know. Just that's, <laughs> it just amazes me with people, but. Mm-hmm. That being said, you know, I'm going to let you guys get back to what you were doing, and I'm going to give, go spend some time with my wife. She's well, that's good. Where I am Sounds like days. a plan. <laughs> you know, Deb, I appreciate you coming out. I haven't seen you in so long. I haven't heard from you. I know. I'm glad I logged in. I saw every, you guys online. I'm like, cool. I can listen in, and then I thought I'd say hi. So. <laughs> well, I'm going to put a little blurb out here to you, Deb. I don't know whether your, your son is still going to school here in Arizona. He is. He's uh, home right now, but he's okay. going to be back down there. Well, and when then you my guys daughter's can... expecting her first baby, so we're going to be traveling down that way again. Well, I tell you <laughs> what, when you, come, when you come down here, if you don't stop and see me, I will, I will be stop very, and very. See you, I promise. I want to get all... one of those. I want to get the, one of those real field hugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, before long, we're going to have a big old party at night on Saturday. There you night. go. <laughs> I think we should just log in and have one one just big old conference call. That might make it worthwhile. <laughs> that would be great. Put a whole bunch of people on here. Maybe yeah. Well, hard, you know, I'll put a little blurb out in the queue, and maybe we can get some more uh, business drummed up because I think everybody's story is certainly worth being uh, told because uh, each one of us has got something a little different, a little more unique, and mm-hmm. each little bit of information is going to help somebody. 
I think so, too. I'm going to keep trying, Joe. I appreciate (laughs) you doing it. I appreciate you coming out. Randy, I appreciate you being on. Well, I thank you, Joe. I appreciate it a whole lot for the invite, uh, and you're a super host. I really appreciate it, and I hope this program continues to grow and grow and grow. I and I will. want to wish you the best, and I want to wish you a great evening. What's thank left you of it? Too, sir. Yeah. I will. We'll meet one day. We will, I'm sure. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. Good, thank night, you. Guys. good night, Joe. Thanks, good night, guys. Andy. Good Say night, Andy. Say hi to Linda for me. I will. Uh-huh. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, Take bye-bye. Care, oh, there you have it. Another Saturday night with Trimax, Joe, whatever you want to call me. Our show, Smoking Ain't for Sissy, Addiction Ain't for Sissies, and our guest, Randy the Yupper. Excellent, excellent evening. I want to wish you all a great night. I'm going to go spend some time with my wife and kids. And yes, it is 1 o'clock in the morning Eastern Time. My kids are still up. That's because we're night owls. So, that being said, it's been a pleasure once again. And maybe I'll be on there tomorrow night. Possible. Never know. Check back. 6 o'clock tomorrow night. We might do one. And again, we might not. But if you check back, we'll see. Have a great night, guys. Thank you for listening. And adios. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. (gasps) No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.